situation. Hallelujah. His goodness is not determined by what we're going through. He's just good. That's his nature. That's his character. He's good all the time. Hallelujah. And all the time, he's good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to go to the book of Micah today. Go to the book of Micah, chapter 6. Glory to God. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Mm. Micah chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with a calf a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 10, rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God, the prophet's answer, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? I want to use part of this as a topic for today. What does God really require of us? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you send your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us. Thank you for what your word is going to do in our lives. We humble ourselves before you now. Our hearts and our minds are open. Our spirits are alert. Lord God, that we will receive of you this day. Through your word, we will be blessed. In Jesus' and through your spirit we will be blessed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What does God really require of us? Now you, as, long as, it, as long as we can't hear the children in children's church, we'll leave it open. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, there, 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 there are a lot of uh, everything we teach, everything we preach speaks to us about what God requires of us. But this particular passage of Scripture in the book of Micah and, and the prophet Micah is ministering to the nation of Judah uh, sometime around the same time that Isaiah is prophesying and ministering to uh, the nation of Israel. And of course, this is during a time of of the nation's apostasy, the nation's backsliding, the nation's falling away from God. And as we read, uh, if we had read the whole chapter, the whole book, and you should go back and read it. It's a good thing for you to practice. Uh, when you hear a message, go back and read the whole book. It'll help you out. 
but when you read uh, the book of Micah and you, you read about the sins of the people and the way they turn away from God and how the wealthy are exploiting the poor and how the, those that are in power are, are not following the, the, the guidelines and the directions that God has taken, has given to them uh, concerning leading the people and ministering to the people. You know, God is a covenant God. And God is in covenant relationship with his people. And in covenant, there are things that God promises to do, but there are requirements that God expects of the people. Say, God expects something of me. God expects something of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and many times... Um, as it was with Israel, you know, it got to the point that they had become insensitive to the things of God. And anytime you have to ask the question, well, well, you know, if God is displeased, what will please him? And this is, this is kind of like what they were asking. What, what shall we come before God? You know, you know, I go to church on Sunday if we were bringing it to the day's time. I go to church on Sunday, you know, I, 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 I pay the tithe. The preacher said you're supposed to pay the tithe. So I do that. You know, what does God expect? You know, I'm an usher, I sing in the choir, uh, I'm in hospitality, I, I work in the kitchen, I cut the grass. What does God expect? What else is God looking for? You know, and, and, and so the, this is what they're asking. They say, with what shall I come before God and bow down before the exalted God? What, what else is God looking for? Uh, shall I come before him with burnt offerings? You know, is he looking for sacrifices? I'll come and I'll bring the sacrifices. And by not doing enough, shall I, shall I come before him with, with, with a calf a year old? With, will he be pleased with thousands of rams? Apparently God is not pleased with what I'm already doing. And, you know, as I, then it goes on to talk about uh, even offering the firstborn, even offering the sacrifice, which was strictly forbidden. This was a practice of paganism, and God strictly forbid, uh, forbade them offering up child sacrifice. Shall I, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sins of my soul? But that's not what God is looking for. God is not just looking for us to come and do any outward show of anything. Any outward form of anything, God is not looking for. You know, and it's important for each one of us at various points in our lives to really check ourselves out and make sure that we're offering to God those things that God is looking for out of our lives. Because God requires something of each one of us. God requires something of those of us who live in covenant relationship with him. And it's important that we deal with that in our lives. We cannot judge what God requires of us by what we see in the world. Now, y'all need, need to listen. You can't, you can't go by the standard that the world sets up and then say, well, I'm doing this, 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 and this. This must be all right. Now, I need to go back to the Word of God, and I need to discover what it is that God requires of me as a son who's in covenant relationship with him. Or as you, if you're a female, as a daughter who is in covenant relationship with him. I need to know. You need to know what God requires of you. Because God is not looking for outward show. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God is not looking for you to be religious. You can religiously come to church. You can religiously do things. But that's not what God is looking for. All right? 
that's not what he's looking for. And when he began, when he was de when uh, he's dealing with these religious leaders, he's saying to them, "I'm not looking for the outward show. He has shown you, oh man, this is what Micah is saying to the nation of Judah. He has shown you what is good, and that which God requires of you." And it's the same message that we have for today. I promise you I won't be before you long today. Uh, but it's the same message that God has for you and me today. His same message that he has for the body of Christ today. God has shown us what is good. God has shown us what is required of us. Now, the thing about it is, is that you need to take the initiative to search the scriptures for yourself so that when you're at home during the week, you're studying the scriptures and you're discovering the things that God wants out of your life. Don't just depend on me to spoon feed you and tell you everything on Sunday morning. I promise you, you will not remember this entire message unless you purchase a CD and listen to the message over and over and over and over again. You will not remember everything that's said from the pulpit. But when you sit down and you take, your, take the Bible and you get into those scriptures and you study the scriptures, then that word begins to sink in your heart and in your mind and in your being. What did David say? David said, your word have I hidden where? In my heart that I might not sin against thee. So when you have the word inside of you, you don't have to ask God, God, what is it that you require of me? Because I have the word, so I know the word and I understand the word. I know what God requires of me. All right, so let's look at this. Let's look at this. Work quickly. And, and, and even though I was studying uh, the other day and, and looking at my Bible, and it was a leadership Bible, so it was, it was talking about leadership. And, and as I was studying that, what the Lord was dealing with me about is how to bring that in and how to speak to everyday common believers who may not be in government, who may not be in positions of authority uh, in church or anywhere else in the world, but are just common everyday believers, okay? We need to know what God requires of us. We need to know what God is looking for from each one of us, okay? Um, and, and it's important that if we have to ask the question, what does God require of me, then we have to deal with the fact that he really does require something of me. You got to deal with that. If that question is posed in Scripture, then apparently they knew that God required something of them. And with that question being posed to us today, it's important that every one of us knows that God requires something of us. Tell yourself, God, tell yourself, say self, say me, call, no, don't say self, call your name, Alfred. God requires something of me. Now, I need to know what it is, and I need to do what God says, because if I don't do what God says, I'm being disobedient, and I'm out of the will of God. Amen? All right. So, when we look at this scripture, we look at this scripture. Uh, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. The first thing he says is to act justly. To act justly. Okay? These are warnings, in essence, uh, that, 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 that's mentioned here 
uh, because if we don't do what the Lord requires of us, and at this point in Israel and Judah's history, judgment has already come. But for us, judgment is to come. Now, sometimes we're being judged as we go day by day by day because some of our decisions, all of our decisions, bring consequences in our lives. Sometimes we're not honest enough with ourselves about some of the things that happen to us. Now, I've said this before. Some of the stuff that happens to us are direct result of our disobedience to God. And we have to be honest about that. You know, you got to be honest. You just can't say, well, this thing just happened and the devil is just attacking me. Well, sometimes if you kept yourself out of the devil's house, then the devil wouldn't have opportunity to attack you. If you keep yourself out of the devil's camp, then the devil doesn't have opportunity to attack you sometimes. Am I talking to anybody? Is this, is this the truth? If you're not speeding, then the police officers don't have an opportunity to give you a speeding ticket. That's all I'm saying. All right? If you're not stealing from work, then the, then the, then the supervisor who sees you on the, count, on the camera stealing does not have the opportunity to accuse you from steal, of, of stealing. You know, we jump up and holler about Black Lives Matter, and they do. But some of the stuff people are doing are wrong. Now, some places you have no business being. Some things you have no business doing. Sometimes you open the door for trouble to come in your own life, and you need to be honest about it. Amen. And we need to raise our children and stop letting the streets raise our children. Amen. Children were intended to be raised in a house with a mama and a daddy that are married. Amen. And that have a standard that are teaching their children the word of God. That's, that's, that's God's standard. You can't let the school teacher raise your children. The pastor can't raise your children. All right. And definitely if you don't raise them, the, the gang will raise them. Uh, amen. And if your children won't obey at home, they're going to obey somebody. Amen. Amen. So we run around hollering about black lives, matter. Black, lives, black lives matter. Black lives do matter, but all lives matter. And people need to do what's right. Because a lot of times we have some standards that are not right standards. If a police officer stops you, you put your hands up and you say, sir. I don't care what he says to you. You are not the one with a gun. You are not the one with a badge. You don't rise up in his face. It's because you black. There's just some stuff you need to know. And if you know it, you need to tell somebody else who needs to know. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know how I got there, but I got there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The things that God requires of us, that he requires of us. Amen. So he says you need to act justly. Now, 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 now of course, when you're dealing with, with persons in, in authority and leadership, of course you want to talk about justice. and You want to talk about treating people just, okay? Because you want to treat people fairly. But, but, but what about you and me? What about the common person every day? You want to be fair in your dealings with people. 
God is saying to you, God is saying to the ordinary believer that you act fairly in your dealings with one another. Whether it be at home, whether it be at, on the job, whether it be in the church, whether it be in the school. That we learned something growing up. It was called the golden rule. What was the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, I don't know if we're teaching our children that today, but that was something that we learned. That was something that our parents reiterated over and over and over again. You treat people the way you want to be treated. Okay? Now, it is not your responsibility if people don't return the same thing to you, but you treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, and there's something good in that because there is a scriptural principle. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, you can use that on the, on the, on the negative side, but you can also use that on the positive side. If you sow good, good is going to come back to you. If you sow respect, Respect is going to come. Everybody may not respect you, but respect will come back to you. Are you understanding? But when you are disrespectful, when you don't know how to talk to people, when you don't know how to treat people, then the same thing is going to come back to you. God says you got to treat people fairly. You got to act justly. Now, God is going to go further than being fair now because God is not just fair. If he was only fair, where would you and I be right now? Okay? All right? He's going to go a little bit further than this. But the first thing he says here is that, 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 you, that you treat people fairly. You treat people fairly. I want to make sure I don't skip any of this. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and in treating people fairly... Part of this is learning to love and to care for everyone, regardless of their station or regardless of their position in life, all right, that you love and care for everyone. In, in the church, that boils down to that you don't have little groups and cliques, or you care for one person more than you care for the other person. I want to stay open unless I can hear the children. Just leave it open, safe to say, all right? So... Are you understanding what I'm saying? I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the pastor to love everybody. It's for all of us to love all of us. All right? And to care for all of us. Now that sometimes people rub you the wrong way. All right? But you got to be mature enough to get over it and still love people. Because Jesus said, if you show love for one another, then all men will know that you're my disciples. And it is about people knowing that we are the Lord's disciples. It is about people knowing that we are lifting up Jesus, that we are the light of the world, that we are the city that's set upon the hill, that, when, that everybody can see our lights are shining around us. So when we are in clicks, when we, and I'm not saying we're doing that now, but I'm, I'm just making a point. When we care for certain people more than we care for others, we're not being the light of the world. You gotta treat people the way you wanna be treated, even though they don't treat you the same way. All right? Hmm. The Bible says, do good to all men, 
especially those of the household of faith, okay? Especially. So we're of the household of faith, so we're to do good. So if I'm out there doing good for the, for, for the person that's in the street that doesn't know Jesus, I got to especially make sure that I'm doing good, and not just for tabernacle praise, but anybody that's of the household of faith. Do good to all men. The Bible says the strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. Scripture talks about strengthening the weak knees, the feeble knees, and, the, and, 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 and yeah. And anyway, so, so, so part of my responsibility in treating people fairly is when I see the weak, when I see those that are not strong in the faith, that, 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 I, am, that I am to help bear their infirmities. I'm to help them in the process of what they're going through to get to where they need to be. All right? Now, now, now there's another side of this issue of treating people fairly. Okay? All right? On the other side of the issue, we hear if a man doesn't work, then he don't eat. Okay? And that's to guard against people taking advantage of others. I heard a lady tell me one time, um, one of them's dead, the other one's still living. Uh, so I ain't talking about nobody in here, so I don't think I'm talking about y'all. <laughs> she told me one time about, she was talking about her own sister. And she said she just won't work. She just won't do anything. But she, I guess she lived by faith because she looked to us to do everything for her. And we find ourselves doing it. But that's not fair. That's, that, sometimes we want to take that, we want to take this issue of acting fairly with people and put it on those that are, that seem to be doing well and seem to be strong. And, and then those people that are weak, you know, they, 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 they just, they want to just throw all of their weight on others. That's not what the scripture teaches us. The scripture teaches us that every man should work with his own hands. And today, woman too. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, so, so what the Lord does not want us to do is the Lord does not want us to be an undue burden on other people. No. You know, when you look at Israel, when you look at God's prescription, when he would tell them when they, when they harvest that they were to leave some in the field for the poor among them. So God is concerned about everybody, but God was not saying that the poor would stay poor always. If you're going through something right now, it's not for you to continue to go through it. You can rise up. You can do better about yourself. All right. So the other side of the issue, you've got to hear that the Lord doesn't want you to be slowful. The Lord doesn't want you to be lazy. Amen? Proverbs 24 and 30 says, I went by the field of the slowful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown, grown over with thorns and nettles and had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. What is he saying? The lazy person will let his stuff go to bad, as we would say growing up. The lazy person will not take the car to get the oil changed. Come on now. You buy a car and you don't ever take care of it, what's going to happen? It's going to break down and cause you serious problems. Amen. The lazy person 
won't take care of what God puts in their hands. So the Bible says, if you don't eat, if you don't work, you say, well, I'm going to starve to death. That's your decision. That's your choice. You made that choice. We make choices every day. Every day. Every day. I could talk about, I could talk about folk that make choices to go out to eat when they know they got bills to pay. I could talk about folk who got cable TV and HBO and Cinemax and all that kind of stuff. Can't pay the power bill. I could talk about that. But I guess I won't talk about it. I think I made the point. I think I made the point. You treat people fairly. So this is not just on one side of the issue. The scripture deals with both sides of the issue. All of us have a responsibility if we are part of the household of faith. And now, now I said God goes further than fair. He, he does go further than fair. Because he, he, he's, 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 he goes further than fair with us. Has he been more than fair to you? So act justly, all right? All right. He, 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 do good to all men. Act justly, all right? But the second part of this is he says um, that you are to uh, act justly and to love mercy. Oof. It's one that, it's, 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 uh, I read that, you know, because I went back and, and, and did a little research on it, but, but it's just enough in itself to say love mercy. To love mercy. Not just be merciful, but to love mercy. You see, uh, uh, the religious leaders uh, the, 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 and the, the leaders of the nation, uh, during the time that Michael was writing, they had gotten to the point that they didn't love mercy. Okay. So then, mercy was not the disposition of their heart. When, you, when something is your disposition... That means that's a part of your character. That, that, that's who you are. That, that, that means that, that, you, that, that you do it without thinking. Because God has changed your heart. You've received the mercy of God in your own being, in your own spirit, in your own life. And this has transformed your life. Now this is your spiritual disposition and your mental disposition. You love being merciful to people. Not to the point you let people take advantage of you because you understand both sides of the issue now. And sometimes Christians don't understand both sides of the issue and they're merciful and they let people walk over them. But you understand both sides of the issue. So that means your hungry relative that won't work, you can let them be hungry. If they won't work and they come ask you for a piece of bread, something go work. You ain't, you hadn't sinned against God. You know they've been they they won't work. Not that you don't love mercy. You actually being merciful to them to tell them to go work, cause they need they need to work. One day you ain't gonna be here. I didn't say couldn't get a job. I said won't work. You heard the old friend. Some people won't work on a pie train. He's shown you, old man, what is right and what the Lord requires of me. Say it with me. The Lord requires that I treat people fairly. The Lord 
And the Lord also requires that, that I love mercy. All right. As I said, this is a disposition of the heart. Being compassionate. Okay. Treating people compassionately. And, and, and the first part of the definition says, especially those that are under one's power or clemency. Treat them compassionately. Sometimes you've seen people who have power over people. And power over people does not necessarily mean that, that you're like a president or governor, but it could be that you just have a strong influence over a person's life. And they look up to you. All right? All right? And you are influencing them, but you treat them unfairly because of your position in their lives. You walk over them. You look down on them. You, you treat them badly. You say bad things to them. You have to be, that's not, that's not love and mercy. Love and mercy is, I see your weaknesses, and in your weaknesses, I'm not going to step on you. Even if I have to correct you, I'm going to do it from a merciful spirit and a merciful attitude because that's my disposition. I've seen too many people treat people unfairly because of their position of influence. And I've done it before, and I recognize it in my own life. When I mistreated people because of the position that I was in, said things because of, of the position that I was in in their lives, and I had to repent. You got to be careful about that. This is what the Lord, not what Alfred Jackson requires, but this is what the Lord requires. Parents have to be careful. You have to be careful about these words that come out of your mouth with your children. And when you whip at them, have mercy on them. <laughs> but I don't care what the government says, you better whip them sometime. Spank them. They need it. Just don't break the skin so if they go to school and tell it, they ain't got no marks to show it. But they know your hand was on them. They know your belt was on them. Amen. Whip them good with the, with the, with the pants on. <laughs> whip them good. They won't kill them. We're still living, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I know I got some DSS people in here, but that's all right. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says... Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it out. Now, I'm not saying be abusive to your children. I have never said that. You can whip a child without being abusive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you just have to. But you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I guess this is part of love and mercy. With little kids, with little babies, you know, you can't laugh at everything they do. There times you have to pop the hand. You hear me? You're not going to leave a bruise by popping it. They'll know. No, no, no. You pop the head and say, no, 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 no. And eventually they'll learn, I can't do that. You know? Children from little ones, that's, that's how you start training children. You don't wait till they get five and six years old and you can't do anything with them and you got to call, what's that woman on television name? Super Nanny. Super Nanny. You got to call Super Nanny to your house. 
Because you're scared to go to sleep at night. You raise monsters. And you can't do anything with them. But if you start young, just need a little, you know, little tap on the hand. No, 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 no. You don't do that. You know? It won't be so hard. Some of y'all are waiting too long. <laughs> your children running you, ruling your house. You can't put anything down. My mama could put her pocketbook down. My mama could, could tell us to go in her pocketbook and get such and such out of there. And we knew, I mean, well, it never was in my mind to steal from my mama. I mean, that was never, never a thought in my mind. But she put her pocketbook down anywhere in the house. There are some people can't put their pocketbooks down in their houses. You take your wallet out at night, you got to put it on the pillow. There's something wrong with that picture. If you got thieves in your house, you need to put them out. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. So this is a disposition. Love and mercy is a disposition. It is a disposition uh, 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 of a person's inherited quality of mind and character. And this is what God is requiring of us, that we have a disposition of mercy toward people. Not that we allow people to walk over us, but that, that this is our inherent character. We're not mean. We're not unforgiving. We're not hard. We're not rigid. But we're merciful because as we go through life, we're going, people are going to need mercy. We are going to need mercy. The Lord God has shown mercy to us through giving Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And he says to us, you go and do likewise. Amen? Amen. 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 Uh, the NIV Reader's Version translates that, that we are to love people faithfully. That we're to love people faithfully, not superficially. Love people faithfully. When you're faithful to something, you're just continuous with it. You know, true love is not getting, I need to see your eyes if you ain't sleep. That's right, young man. Hold your head up. Praise the Lord. Amen. That, that, that means that, 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 that our love is not for what we can get. Amen. A whole lot of girls have been hurt because a guy only wanted to get something. Now today it might be the other way around too. But a whole lot of, I'll say it like this, a whole lot of people have been hurt because of what somebody wanted to get rather than what they wanted to give. The greatest love you can, you can share with a person is sacrificial love. It is not erotic love. It's not eros. So giving your body to someone, and, and I heard a youth minister say this a long time ago, and I shared this before. Uh, he said, a, a guy will play at love to have sex. A girl will have sex. Well, I may be saying that backwards. A guy will play at sex to have, to get love. Because she thinks by giving her body, which is the most precious thing that she has, that she's going to be loved by this guy. Yeah. 
when a guy doesn't want anything but sex. Young girls, your body is precious. Give your body to your husband. Not every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes along. You don't become like a park bench. Everybody come by, sit on you. Some people don't know you, they sit on you. Thank you. Because what you have is precious. You know, sex never proved love to anybody. Listen to me. It just gets you in trouble. And when you get involved in sex before marriage, if you're headed, and I, tell, I say this in premarital counseling sessions all of the time, you will be confused in the decision that you make. Because you're not thinking qualitatively. You're not thinking right. Your decision to love that person is based on a, on, on, on a sexual feeling that changes. And you better watch those guys. They've been with... And you're just one in the number. And they say, well, when I find that right one, that special one. Hmm. What they don't realize is there's a spirit that attaches them itself to them. And unless you are delivered from that spirit, even after you find the right one, there will be some others that will come along that will look better than that right one. And that spirit will start working on you. And that spirit will begin to pull you in a direction that you may in your mind not want to go. We're engaged in spiritual warfare. That's why you get God is saying you got to love faithfully. You got to love faithfully. You know, I never will forget. Well, let me go on with this message. Anyway. And then lastly, he says that we're to walk humbly with God. We are to walk humbly with God. Okay? This is dealing with integrity and in our walk with the Lord. Okay? Now, now listen to this because it's not, humble here is not what we traditionally call humbly. Uh, the definition of humble from the Hebrew as it is written, the word that is used here, means that you must be very careful to live the way your God wants you to live. Walk humbly with your God means that you need to be very careful to live in the way that your God, who is the sovereign God, wants you to live. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you, you, you're just going to be, um, you know, bowing down, you know, because you can do all of that. Physically, you know, you can say certain things that make you sound humble, but this is dealing with the way you live. Now, 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 walking humbly with living the way God wants you to live. How does God want you to live? How does your life start out with God? Your life starts out with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It's not just joining the church, but it is, it is receiving Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. That's how it starts. Mama can be a member of the church. Daddy can be a member of the church. But if you're just a member of the church and you don't have a relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. The relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ makes all of the difference in the world. This is not just about church membership. It's a relationship. It's like marriage. Marriage is a relationship. You grow in this relationship day by day by day. You guard certain things in this relationship. You do things that you would, that you in and of yourself may not normally do, but because you're in this covenant relationship, live the way God wants you to live, not the way you want to live. All of us know that we cannot follow the thoughts of our minds. Because as, as spiritual as we are, some of us, there are thoughts that come our way that we have to cast down. Amen, Amen walls. So we cannot be led by our carnal minds, of the flesh. That's why Paul said that we're to put to death the members of the flesh. We're to kill those things in our flesh that do not glorify God. Because if I'm going to walk humble with God, that means that daily I have to live in the way that God wants me to live. And God will inevitably conflict with culture. Are you hearing me? If you're going to live like God wants you to live, you're going to live in conflict with this culture. Amen. Amen. I think it was Carl Barth who wrote the book about Christ and culture. I'm going to get the book and read it. Because if you're going to live for God, you're going to live in conflict with the culture. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separated, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. What part does light have with darkness? You ever thought about that? If there were no windows in this building and the lights were turned off, could you see? But once the lights come on, darkness is gone. So if you're going to live for Christ, you're going to live in conflict with the culture. We have a problem with that because we want to do what everybody else is doing. And we want to say, what's wrong with that? God says, I require of you that you walk humbly with me, which means that you live in accordance to the way that I want you to live. Young people, y'all getting this? This is making sense to you all. How are you going to live in your parents' house and act like the children next door? That's what God is saying. You can't live in my house and act like the children of the devil. That's what God is saying. Every parent in here say, you come home and say, well, mama, uh, uh, Johnny let, and what's your mama going to say? That's between John and his mama. It ain't going on over here. Any, any parent that's worth the bread that they eat. 
They're going to tell you, if you want to do what Johnny do, go live with Johnny. And you get to Johnny's house, Johnny's mama going to say, babe, uh-uh, I ain't got no money to take care of you. Go back home. Amen? So God is saying that, that, that if you're going to walk humbly with me, and this is what I require of you, I require you, I require you, I require you to live a life that pleases me. Be very careful to live in a way that God is pleased. I know this sounds kind of strict and straight, but you know, this is what the church needs to hear today. Because we want, we want to dip and dabble. We want to be in the church, but we also want to be in the world. And some of us don't want to tell our children right and wrong. What you scared of? You, you think they ain't going to love you no more? Tell them what's right. They'll still love you. They might get mad at you. Thank you. Because they know which side of the bread the butter's on. They're going to come back. They may be angry for a while. But they will realize that the things you are telling them was for their good. Remember this, young people. Remember this, old people. The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Does he care that you go to church? Does he care that you preach? Does he care that you sing in the choir? Does he care that you're on the praise team? Does he care that you dance? No! You can be as religious as you want to be. He doesn't care. He still comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And every opportunity you give him, that's what he's going to do. And when it's all over, you'll be the worst off for it. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life. You might have it more abundantly. Now, how do I receive the life that the Lord wants me to have? He's shown you, old man, old woman, old boy, old girl. He's shown you what is right and what the Lord requires of you. So if I want to experience the abundant life, I can't do it outside of the will of God. I can't do it following my own mind. I have to even get to the point and you've heard me say this before, that I stop arguing with God. Because sometimes in our minds, we're arguing with God. Why can't I do this? Why can't I go there? Why, can't, why is this wrong? Why is that wrong? He's shown you, old man. He's shown you. He's shown you. So that means that we're without excuse. We are without excuse. And there are consequences for our decisions. There are consequences for our decisions. Let's stand.